electronic music's most iconic and respected record labels, as well as the originators of some of electronic's most interesting and maybe controversial styles, and they have always been and continue to be ahead of the curve. Now, to explain Warp you have to explain the context of the United Kingdom's electronic scene during the late 80s and early 90s. There was a a lot of acid house, a lot of ambient techno. This was um very influenced by by German, especially German and American dance music and the 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 rave scene was so um was so hot that the criminal justice and public order act uh, in 1994 proposed a bill that would or not a bill how however the, the system works in in Britain they proposed something that would essentially put a ban to to clubbing but this this wasn't 1994, this was five years in the past, in 1989, in Sheffield, England. This was northern England, this was in in an industrial town, which, um, if you've ever seen any pictures of these things, it's just smog, and it just looks depressing, so music and and like the rave scene is obviously going to be an escape for you. Like, just look at Black Sabbath if you need any examples of, like, an industrial town forcing people to make good music because there's nothing else to do. Uh, And Warp was created by the record store owners Rob Mitchell and Steve Beckett to highlight the genre of bleep, which is a regional electronic music style, which is... um. It's sometimes known as bleep and bass or bleep techno, but it is just a fun, kind of light-hearted, goofy genre of dance music, and they worked with the graphic designer Ian Anderson to create this iconic logo that is purple to stand out from the normally white sleeves that other artists and record labels would issue their music in. And they began issuing bleep singles in 1989, um, and then they gradually started picking up more unique songs that weren't exclusively bleep. And in 1992, they released the Artificial Intelligence compilation, and on the cover, you got a robot smoking in his living room. You know, he's chilling. He's he's laid back on a on a on like a recliner or something, and he's got he's got some records playing. He's got Dark Side of the Moon, uh, and it's aimed at creating this really 
substantive electronic music that you can listen to your home or you can listen to it in your home just as much as you can in the club it's really something special uh it does sound a bit dated though but it kickstarted the careers of two of warp's most iconic artists apex twin and autecker um now here's here's the kind of controversial part of all of this uh artificial intelligence on the on the packaging it labeled itself as electronic listening music um but one of warp's artists black dog called their music intelligent techno which is kind of like you know lame your your techno is no more intelligent than anyone else's bub uh but this caused this kind of style of music emerging on the on the warp label and in artists all over the united kingdom to be labeled as idm which is this kind of like repurposing of edm which stands for electronic dance music except for the i stands for intelligent so you have people calling this music intelligent dance music which is horrible there have been some attempts to get rid of the term and everyone hates it uh but it it's it's just kind of stuck some some prefer to call it brain dance or electronic listening music still but unfortunately it's stuck but let's fast forward from 1992 to the early 2000s with the opening of Warp Mart which uh allowed Warp to sell their records online completely independent of any kind of record store and uh they also made a digital download store called bleep.com in i believe 2007 now between Warp Mart and Bleep says co-founder Steve Beckett it's probably 25% of our turnover um unfortunately in 2001 Rob Mitchell, the other founding member, passed away after a battle with cancer. And um, Steve, uh, from from a Warp employee, Steve fell apart for quite a while after that. It shook Warp very, very seriously. In some ways, I'm surprised Warp survived. I think it was on the edge for a while because Steve didn't quite know what to do. But... I think he figured it out. I think he he pulled through and in order to keep the spirit of the company alive, he started supporting indie artists like Grizzly Bear, which are actually American. They're from New York. This is not even in the United Kingdom anymore. And they're an indie folk they're an indie folk band that are like indie enough to have ended up on the Twilight soundtrack. Um and also, they signed the wild math rock experimentalists battles to their record, who just make this absolutely wacky music that sounds like it's straight out of a cartoon. And uh, Steve says, um, when it comes down to it, the thing that's most satisfying for me is finding, nurturing, and breaking new talent. There's something really satisfying to me about seeing that raw talent, usually quite young talent, then putting a team around them and seeing it grow. And grow, their talents did. Uh, if you were paying attention, you will have noticed that I 
completely skipped over the the 90s period and that's because this was an absolute golden age for warp records you know everything they put out in the 90s was just absolutely consistent and everything that they they continue to put out these days is is still really consistent but their biggest most influential artist Aphex Twin he released Selected Ambient Works Volume 1 in 1992 and he began the recording actually in 1985 so he was working on this thing for quite a while before Warp was even founded and this was released before artificial intelligence even was and it kind of has the same thing going where it's designed as more of a home listening experience but it's still it's still danceable and really fun to listen to uh, but then on selected ambient works volume 2 his next album he cranks down the danceability, cranks up the ambient, and you have this just really gorgeous ambient album. Um, but then his next two albums, he he did a variety of styles, you know, generally kind of wild and fun listens. There was a lot of ambient, a lot of synthy stuff, but also a lot of like really intense, like loud, noisy stuff. Um, he also made the he teamed up with award-winning Chris Cunningham to make short films accompanying his songs Come to Daddy and Window Liquor, which are both two of the best music videos you will ever see. Um, and his album Drucius combines the dynamics of piano so melancholy that Kanye West has sampled it for some of his sadder music and electronic so intense it sounds like insects are like mating inside of your ear canal and it's just really abrasive and wild and then syro which once again warp is is pushing boundaries with this album's release there was a a blimp flying over london that like teased this album there was promotion on the deep web and he's also released hundreds of hours worth of music just to SoundCloud alone. He just will dump hundreds of songs on there. Um, another one of their most iconic and influential artists are Boards of Canada. Uh, they were actually very late to the scene. Their first album was released in 1998. And they decided to, instead of looking forwards to the future of electronic music, they look they looked backwards to its past. Uh, their name, Boards of Canada, comes from the National Film Board of Canada, which is a Canadian public broadcasting studio. And um, on their first album, you can really hear the influence of public broadcasting samples. There, there's like, there's the disembodied voices of children that are just like laughing at you the entire time over like the most gorgeous synth-based music you'll ever hear and it's really really unnerving they really crank up the unnerving factor with their next album though uh geogaddy which has cult themes it talks about satanism and uh the branch davidians uh and it's six minutes or it's excuse me 66 minutes and six seconds long and then their next album complete stylistic shift again um they they turn even further backwards in time to make a an album that is a fusion of folk and electronic, and it works wonderfully. Uh, 
Let's go over another artist, Autechre. They're one of my favorites of all time. Their first two albums kind of explored the weirder side of this really popular techno in in Britain. And then the rest of their 90s output introduced glitch and sonic artifacts and more experimentation. But then after that, their 2000s output just is wild. They introduced procedural generation and even more glitching and skipping into their music. They pushed their hardware and software to its absolute limit. And you're asking, you're, you're probably asking yourself, why are you telling me all this? It's because the variety of electronic music that was released on this label is insane. You have Aphex Twin treading a ton of territory of Boards of Canada, making incredibly relaxing, serene music that is even folky. You have Autechre, who are making insane glitch music that is incredibly innovative. And they gained such a reputation for having a catalog of artists who were free to explore and do what they want that Brian Eno, who is a absolutely legendary producer, he's worked with David Bowie, he's worked with Roxy Music, Talking Heads, uh, he's where the word ambient comes from, and he's just in general an electronic pioneer. Check out Low or um, Station to Station by David Bowie to hear some of his production work. Uh, but he gave Warp the complete control to reissue all of his music that he's ever made. That is how much faith this legendary icon of music has in this in this record company, which I think is pretty cool. Um, even... Even to this day, they they continue to open up to more genres. They've signed hip-hop innovators like Danny Brown and Death Grips, or uh, even Flying Lotus, who has this really cool sound where he fuses kind of hip-hop and electronic to make this really wild, energetic music he produced for Kendrick Lamar on To Pimp a Butterfly. I'm pretty sure he produced the entire album, which is really cool. They have some of the most interesting pop artists right now with Kalela and Eve Toomer, who have both had fairly large hits. Um, they, they have not abandoned their electronic roots at all, though. They continue to find new and innovative electronic artists like One Tricks Point Never, who created the electronic subgenre the the niche electronic subgenre of vaporwave he's the he's the sole person who created it he you know he worked with the weekend on his past couple of albums he he was the dude behind the scenes doing all the all the music at the halftime show that the weekend did he's produced for for pop star charlie xcx he is um He's really someone to look out for if you want to to see the kind of people who are creating the music of the future, I think. Um, so, in conclusion, keep your eye on Warp. Um, they, they aren't the future of music, I don't think. I think that that's a stretch. But I do think that they create the future of music by allowing artists to have a degree of creative control and freedom to experiment and freely express their ideas that 
no other label has of this of this size at least and um they they really understand that reputation matters more than getting every penny that you can out of out of your artists <laughs>